Our work has not only helped Ask so many not. Americans, it has inspired so many Americans. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings. Ask what you can do for your country. But they cannot touch the foundation of America. Especially so many young people out there. Tear down this wall. To believe that you can make a difference. To hitch your wagon to something bigger than yourselves. Hello and welcome back to episode three of Millennial Manifesto. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Isaac. And I'm Adam. Hope y'all are having a good week. How are you guys doing this week? I'm having a pretty good week. It's really nice outside where we live, and um, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that we're not recording outside. I would have to agree. It's been long. Uh, we're getting to the end of our semester, so papers and stuff. Yeah, lots of papers. Mm. How's your week, Liz? Well, it's been crap, thanks for asking. <laughs> oh. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not sad we're not outside because um, it's kind of windy and kind of cold, I think. But Isaac keeps saying, at least it's not 20. It was 20 like a month ago. It was. It's been rainy, so we're happy that it's not raining. In Idaho, where we live. It's been raining everywhere. <laughs> and who lives on... Okay. <laughs> I love you, Idahoans. And potatoes. Idaho's. We like potatoes. Goodness gracious. That's Idaho. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so. Missiles fired. President Trump orders the launch of 59 Tomahawk... Tomahawk cruise missiles at a Syrian airbase. The decision was made after the Syrian government used chemical weapons in an attack that killed 80 of their own civilians. So, Adam, do you think this was the right decision to make? I think when anything comes to, <clears throat> excuse me, foreign policy, it's hindsight's 2020. I think none of us in this room know the full situation going on in Syria right now and it really didn't help that President Trump decided not to really follow the traditional channels of informing the legislature and informing other folks in a way that allows this to be slightly more transparent. Trump during the campaign trail often brought up this idea of why do we let the enemy know what we're going to do and he often took shots at the fact that oftentimes we broadcast an attack is imminent that's how we work. And for me, I think this is a stretch of how we, as the major power, which I believe that we are in the world, respond as the hegemon. This wasn't really proportional. If anything, I think this brought more controversy to an issue that is already complex. And also, I think it's a bad idea to really escalate ties with Russia, but we'll probably get that into that in a second, so... Just a summary. Isaac, what do you think? I have a split opinion on it a little bit. Um, for one thing, like Adam said, we don't really know the full situation. Anything with foreign policy is so secretive that it's hard for a civilian to make a call. Um, he may have made the right decision. I think part of it was compensation for what the Obama administration did. He's trying to show that he's not the president that President Obama was. Um, and I also tend to believe that if we had elected the other candidate in November, she would be doing the same thing. Uh, she, it, um, a couple hours before the attacks car were carried out, she did say that she wishes that we were a little bit uh, stronger and that we should carry out airstrikes on the Syrian uh, government. 
So it's hard for me to criticize him too much for it, just because I understand it's hard and it's complicated. But on the other end, there is this um, obsession that the media has and elites in government with taking government, uh, taking military action. And I would hate to see this military action somehow legitimize President Trump's agenda because he, we can't forget that he has completely failed up until this point as the president. He has not had anything successful. One, it does not take bombs. It does not take 59 bombs to legitimize President Trump. He is not legitimate because he can carry out airstrikes. That does not make him legitimate. That just makes him capable of doing what any president can do. So I, I want to be careful not to make the common mistake that Americans make, which is to let their patriotism take over for their rationale. I am still kind of confused on this subject, so I don't have a lot to say. But I do have some tweets from 2013 I would like to read from our good friend Donald J. Trump with the blue check mark next to it. September 5th, 2013. <clears throat> Again, to our very foolish leader, do not attack Syria. If you do, many very bad things will happen, and from that fight, the U.S. gets nothing. Mind you, this is in all caps. September 7th, 2013. President Obama, do not attack Syria. There is no upside and tremendous downside. Save your powder. It's definitely supposed to say power. For another. In parentheses, and more important, day. September 5th, 2013. The only reason President Obama wants to attack Syria is to save the face over his very dumb red line statement. Do not attack Syria. Fix USA. September 5th again, we should not attack Syria, but if they make the stupid move to do so, the Arab League, whose members are laughing at us, should pay. So, I'm still a little confused on this. Um, I hope it was the right decision. That being said, I think it's a little too soon to decide if it was the right decision. Um, but it's hard when somebody pulls up something that you said so prominently prominently wow that was hard to say um about a subject so often and criticize the previous administration for doing something that you literally just did well to put this into context just because this happened three years ago in foreign policy that's a thousand years ago a real-life example of something that was just a year ago that ended up being a really bad operation was the Bay of Pigs. That was just a year. If imagine, And that was Cuba. So imagine a quagmire such as the Middle East. Three years ago and now is completely different. Also, to be fair to the other side, um, during the campaign, President Trump lambasted President Obama by his weak policy. So I think time has changed. And even though it's three years, I think... It has been so long that even though we don't understand, the Syria that was on the ground three years ago is completely ancient to what we have now. And the fact that at three year, or I guess it'd be four years ago, Trump wasn't president. Things change when you get elected and he gets more information and he figures out, you know, 
you know, this is really what's happening. As a civilian, he wouldn't necessarily know that. Mm -hmm. And also, I wouldn't uh, count out that the hypocrisy of Donald J. Trump knows no bounds. So the fact that he tweeted that four years ago, it, it doesn't matter. You know, tomorrow he's going to be a completely different person than he was today. <laughs> that is sad how true that is. Um, all right. Well, getting into that, what does this say about Trump and how Trump will react to foreign policy moving forward? I think this is par for the course, and I think it's not good for the world stage as a whole. Being the hegemon, our goal is to be consistent, which stinks. Other countries have the way, like Italy, France, they have the benefit of being fluctuating between their leaders as democratic societies. We, as the world leader, have to be consistent. So that way, the rest of our allies know what to play cue with. They know, okay, they're probably going to do this. We'll get in line. This quick movement, even though we don't know all the, you know, facts, it's still evident that it wasn't communicated well, which is the theme of this administration. And that's not good for security abroad, because if it's evident that Trump isn't really playing ball and letting the folks in his own house know, what about our allies overseas? What about NATO? I find this extremely concerning. But for being a moderate, and if I'm trying to tap into the American public, I think lots of people, probably the people that elected him, really like the show of strength. Because even though President Obama did show strength, probably in lots of ways that we will never know, it was very discreet. And American people always like to see that show of strength in the world. So me, with the little knowledge I know about uh, international affairs, I think his foreign policy isn't consistent, which is detrimental to our society and the world. But I think at this time, Americans like the show of strength. I have to agree with that. Um, as confused as I am still just with Trump being Trump, I suppose, I would say that my Snapchat story is full of Republicans saying, yes, so glad this happened. Look at, uh, look at America's power. Look at, look at him doing something productive, which... I mean, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around still, I suppose, but everyone that I know that's a Republican seems to be very thrilled that we're finally doing something. It's almost like, this is bad, but it's almost like the crisis we've been waiting for, for him to have to deal with, to become president or presidential has happened, and now he has to have a decision, which it's terrible that it's like, okay, got to hit the red button to make it. President Trump, if you will, with air quotes, but that seems to be where it almost is lame. That's kind of what I was touching on earlier, um, where I feel like in order for a president to be taken seriously, they have to um, do something that that deals with the military. And I, you know, I think if we, I've been studying the 2004 election a lot, and that whole election revolved around patriotism and. The reason George W. that election was really close, and the reason George W. Bush was reelected was because um, he wanted to finish what he had started with the war, and the reason John Kerry was not elected was because Bush and the Bush campaign challenged his patriotism and they challenged his Purple Heart, and um, you cannot deny that patriotism has to do with the military, and that plays a huge part in how we perceive the president and how we perceive how things are going, and. It, it stinks for the other side that, that opposes military action because it's very easily spun into you are not patriotic because you do not support 
these military actions that we're taking. And I think that's sad because you can be patriotic and still not want to um, get involved in other countries. But to go back to the question, um, it's confusing about what this means for Trump because he really ran on an isolationist platform and this is very hawkish, very, very hawkish. And I think it's probably more has to do with uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis. I think that's probably, this was more of his call and Trump just okayed it. But it is it is confusing because this is not the Trump that we were pitched. Okay. Well, how do you think this stands in contrast to President Obama's policies? I think I listed my opinion a little bit in the previous question. I think it's just two different styles of leadership. Um, President Obama is definitely he definitely stood by his idea of leading from behind, and that doesn't say to, that doesn't mean to say that he didn't lead as the hegemon but it was way behind closed doors. I kind of talked about this a little bit too. Um, I think it stands in contrast because I think President Obama did not want to be President Bush and that's why he led from behind. That's why he didn't want to get involved in um, the Middle East. And I think Trump is gonna compensate, overcompensate for what Obama didn't do, which was he's gonna get, he's gonna get more involved because he wants to be everything Obama was not. And I think the only thing I really have to say on this is you can see the difference, like the immediate difference of President Obama wanting to pull military out, which I wasn't a fan of. Um, and literally within the first hundred days, like we're already seeing Trump essentially throwing military in. So I think we're going to see such a huge difference um, just in general on military on everything. And I do not think that Trump is going to be on the sidelines for much anything on on military at all. We do have to keep in mind, though, sure, the military was involved in both actions, but there's a big difference now in this modern world between boots on the ground and drone strikes, and in this case, naval bombardment. There is, I do feel nervous, um, just because what the, uh, what the ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, said today, I believe it was today or yesterday, that we had to get involved and that we're willing to get more involved, but we hope we don't have to. To me, that's a red flag that we're, we're we might to do something. And also John McCain talking about how he thinks that more needs to be done. It's a very slippery slope and it makes me very, very, very nervous. It's definitely a signal to Russia. This is, in my opinion, I think we will have boots on the ground in several countries that we don't currently if not more, in countries that we already do have in the next year and a half. It just makes me nervous because I have thought the only way Trump could be reelected is if he's a wartime president. And I hate to be cynical, but I do think he knows that. Well, while our allies have come out in support of airstrike, many others, including Russia, have condemned the, the attack. This morning, the Kremlin said that the strike was an act of aggression against a sovereign state delivered in violation of international law under a far-fetched pretext. Is this a good thing or a bad thing to poke at Russia? First, if I can jump in, uh, I would like, let's just rewind to when Russia got involved, and I think we could accurately say the same thing to them. I don't really care for the Russian state that much, especially under Putin. Um, but I think in regards to the Trump administration, if this was any other president, I would be like, good on him. 
because I think it's important to let the it's not the Cold War anymore, but the only other major superpower besides China that often steps in to interact with us in a not positive way that we are serious about the role we have in the world. And if it was any other president, I'd be like, this is good. But with Trump, I still can't get past the feeling that is this staged? And so I don't know. That's not really an answer to the question, but that's where I am at this point. Isaac? I don't know either. Uh, I think like Russia is um, something that makes me nervous. All throughout the campaign, it really made me nervous. It's, it is interesting to me that they are coming out objecting to this, especially if we, if we are to assume that there was collusion between the Trump administration and the Russian government. Um, not That hasn't been proven, but if, if that happens to be correct, this really throws a damper in it, which kind of goes to what you were saying, Adam, which is, you know, how much of this is staged, how much of it is not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Russia really wants to get involved in, a, in like a, a war with us. I, mm-hmm. I don't really think that is probably the best idea for them. They don't really have a lot of exports. It could be very easy for us to make it very difficult for them to continue to live. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't mess with it. I, I think... You know, if we're going to go back to what Trump ran on, he was going to be the guy who took care of America first. And this doesn't really seem like he's taking care of America very well. Mm. With that, I have to kind of agree. Mind you, I am all all military. (laughs) Mind explodes. What? Reaching across the aisle and shaking hands. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just... Rhino. I... (laughs) I do think America first. Uh, that's what I always think. But, there is a but. But, you have to be on defense when you're taking care of your country. So, I think, if anything, he's trying to be defensive. That being said, in my mind, it personally doesn't make a ton of sense. But I'm also a civilian that doesn't get all of the information. Um, that being said, is it a good thing or bad thing to poke at Russia? Yikes. I don't even know how to answer that because Russia has such a weird role in all of America right now. It's just, especially with the Trump campaign, or Trump camp, I guess now is what it is. But I... I want to say, no, it's not a good idea to poke at Russia, but at the same time, we've got a little bit of dirt on them right now by the looks of it. So Do we? It, by the looks of it, we do. I don't know. I'm a civilian. But, but of what I can say is we might be able to poke a little bit, but I don't think we should be poking at them very often. Well, there should be not fear, but a little bit of intimidation, if nothing else, is what I would say. It's We have to keep in mind that this was, I mean, Russia has not really stepped out of their zone of control since the Cold War. And so a few years ago when they stepped up to get involved in this conflict, it's, it was a big deal on the world stage. And the fact that they got in line with Assad, ooh, that's not helpful. So if we're poking Russia in order to stay in their zone of control, especially after the Ukraine incident, this is a good way to hit them where it hurts. 
Because if we're stepping into the one zone of control that the world knows about, this is a good way to hurt, if that's what we want to do. But you never know how they respond. That's true. He will, we will not know unless they do decide to respond. So what do you think all of this says about the Russia and Trump connection, just generally? Like I said, it's a little confusing. Um, if it is not staged, which we have no evidence to prove that it's staged, then it, it really shows that maybe there's not as much collaboration between Putin and Trump as we uh, a lot of people on the left may have originally thought. Really, probably what happened during the, during the election, actually not probably, this is what happened during the election, is that Putin did not like Hillary Clinton um, because she tried to undermine his election, so he tried to undermine hers. That is what happened. There's, there's not really any evidence to prove that Trump and Putin are buddies. And so this kind of goes to further that notion that maybe this was a one-time deal. I spoke on the Russia-Trump connection, I think. Isaac, you summarized it very well. For me, and if I can speak for moderates and independents and the majority of the country, I feel like this made everything a lot more confusing, like throwing a smoke grenade in a 4th of July celebration. It makes everything a lot harder to see. Yes, I'm sitting in the confused chair just a little bit still, but most Republicans are sitting in the ha, we got you chair, where they're like, See, this proves it. This proves that Russia and us aren't in this, like, big alliance. This proves that Trump doesn't call up Putin every night and say goodnight before he goes to bed. Um, it just, I think there's a lot of just ha moments to everyone else. Can I just say how uh, disappointing it is that Russia has become such a partisan issue yeah. where, you know, Reagan talked about the evil empire of the Soviet Union and now, because w there has been an independent investigation into Trump and Russia, suddenly Republicans are the best friend of Russia. I hate that this whole thing has become like so partisan where it's really just an issue of national security. It's weird. I'm not gonna say I like it, but because that would be a lie. Can we talk about this from a millennial point of view for a minute? Like, yeah. We have talked about our personal opinions, but as, a, as three millennials, how do we kind of what's our take on how our the younger generation views um trump and russia and foreign policy because i think it's a little bit i think we view foreign policy different than our parents did mm -hmm. I, it's confusing because our parents were raised to be like oh no the enemy the red empire the soviets and we are the first generation to be like yeah but no question mm. mark and now we don't know how to deal with them because we were raised in the era of Bill Clinton and George W. where they weren't the enemy. And now that they're coming out to be a world player, I think it's safe to say that we don't know. Like, to us, the Cold War is ancient history. Not ancient, but, like, we weren't around for but it. But in our mind, it is because yeah. it it's history. Yeah, we didn't live through it. It's something the only thing we really can recognize is it's from a textbook. And... It's weird, but that's really the truth. So I'm I'm going to agree with you on that. I think as a millennial, I'm as myself really even, I'm sitting in this confused chair of like, I don't know, it's almost like, a, why can't we all get along? Like, which, mind you, I'm okay with conflict. I'm okay with military action, but I'm still kind of in this, why do we have to go there if 
it's not necessarily needed. Mm. I when I first heard about the strikes last night, it was um, my gut reaction was what I was talking about, which was like, oh, good. Like we've been waiting for the Syria. We've been waiting to take action in Syria. And I'm actually kind of glad that shut up, Siri. I'm actually kind of glad <laughs> that President Trump did this. And I kind of thought about it more, um, and I went to class this morning and, you know, sat in a, in a classroom full of millennials and got to listen to the things they said. And the concerns they had were things I would never have thought about by watching the news or listening to politicians that were older. They were concerned about how much money we spent on the missiles. Mm. They were concerned about um, the fact that they didn't consult the legislature at all. Mm -hmm. They were concerned about the fact that this is an overreach. Um, and I think a lot, a lot more millennials are um, are kind of that isolationist tendency, which is why are or maybe not even isolationist, but they're more let's let's approach it from a diplomatic point of view mm -hmm. instead of a militaristic. So I, that's just not necessarily my view, but that's how I had kind of interpreted what I got this morning. And this millennial, I think the reason that I'm not taking anything for face value is we've grown up in the era of House of Cards mm. and like all these other shows, and like to me. I know it's not real, but at the same time, like... if You they, know House of Cards isn't real. Well, you can't make a House of Cards, and it's a good, you know, allegory for <laughs> politics. Yeah. But the show is not real, but at the same time, if you can create a screenplay that has something similar to that, then the real world isn't that far away. And it's amazing mm -hmm. how much that show has mirrored real mm -hmm. life in the past. Mm -hmm. They had the Supreme Court justice die before Scalia yeah. died, which is mm -hmm. kind of creepy. Yeah, it is really weird. And... And that could That's be, so to answer your comment, Isaac, we've also grown up where, like, there's been a libertarian push. And we haven't really talked about the libertarians yet because that kind of falls into your area, Liz. But I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's frugal. We're kind of more frugal than, like, other generations. Gen X dealt with the Soviets towards the end as the enemy. And we are the first ones to think, are they, though? We do grow up with a, I think we have grown up with a, um, in the internet age where, mm -hmm. where, you know, things are not always what they seem. Mm -hmm. And so we have a certain level of skepticism. Yeah. I think that we approach everything from. Which, What's the real story behind this? Yeah. Which in yeah. the realm of international affairs might, we, that might arm us as the first generation able to be adept at it right away. It only mm -hmm. takes so many like Jimmy Kimmel internet pranks where he's like, <laughs> fooled you into thinking a girl caught on fire and then you're like okay Very true. he didn't she didn't really catch on fire and nothing is true i completely agree with you jimmy kimmel has scarred our generation jimmy Let's kimmel is the worst thing that happened to america oh my goodness. <laughs> okay we're going to move on to the second topic mm -hmm. judge neil gorsuch has finally been confirmed as the ninth supreme court justice this afternoon mm -hmm. the confirmation will finally fill the vacancy left by antonin scalia over a year after his death with Democrats opposing and filibustering the Gorsuch nomination, Senate Republicans made the unprecedented move to go nuclear. They voted to change the voting process to, to a majority vote rather than the 60 votes typically needed. So, we have a new Supreme Court Justice. Adam, what do you think of him? Okay. Um, so, I'm fired up on this, but like this is stuff I like talking about. Uh, so, what do I think of him? Eh, I think he's a, he, he's a conservative justice, and I... I brought this up in a previous podcast, but I think it's important to bring it back up again. When it comes to conservative, it does not necessarily mean conservative like Liz is. Nor, if you say liberal, it doesn't mean liberal as in Isaac is. It means in your interpretation of the laws and how they function. Specifically, is the Constitution 
meant to be interpreted elastically, that's more liberal, or very strictly, which would be conservative. And that doesn't necessarily fall in lines with the political parties. That's how I feel, though, just so everyone is aware. Just so you're aware, um, lots of times when it comes to, like, religious issues, uh, the liberals would often move to view it less, like, they would often use strict scrutiny with the Constitution because the Constitution often says, you know, free and independent from the state, and that's how we took it to mean. While the conservatives at the time supported, uh, like, liberal views of it, so that way Christian views would be you know, more kept in line. Now that's changed and they switch sides. So I like to, you have to keep that in mind. I think he's not the end of the world, but I think the political ramifications of how we approved this Mm -hmm. justice are very important to how we interact with the third branch and possibly the most powerful branch in our checks and balances. And that's what I'm upset about. Hold the thought. Yeah, we'll get there. I know. I know you're bursting at the seams I'm to talk very about upset. it, but we will get there. Um, you want to go next, Liz? Uh, yeah, I love him. I think that this is a great decision. Um, that being said, I think that oh man, I just really like him. I listened to like all of the hearings though, and just kind of I listened a lot, and I just really like how he interprets it, it, it being the law, um, and just like. I don't know. I just really liked everything he said. That, oh my gosh, I just really like him so much. I think that conservatively, his view of, here's what it says, that's what it means. I I guess I like that. Um, it makes it not complicated. It makes it just super simple. And I guess I like simple. I don't know. I Everything he said in the hearings, I was just like, yes, yes. How did we pick someone that was so right? So there's that on for me. That being said, I did talk to a group of Republicans that are all millennials this week about what they thought of him. And there were mostly positive reviews. There were a couple, like, skeptical reviews. Um, they they all thought, not not they all, the ones that were skeptical did say things similar to what Adam said in maybe he's too conservative there I guess they don't think that simple is good I do um but most of them agreed with me on yes this is a great guy Uh, it could have gone either way though and I think that's what everyone was super nervous about before him but I really like him I of course you like him he came from the same factory that made Mike Pence um but (laughs) Pardon me, sir. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter to me. Like, he's fine. He's not controversial. He's very conservative. I do have some issues with how he handled the Hobby Lobby case. I don't agree with his ruling. Oh. Um, but Explain, please. Well, basically, he proceeded over uh, the Hobby Lobby case, which allowed mm-hmm. them to refuse to give birth control. Mm-hmm. to their employees, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of liberals would say that that granted um, a business like a personhood or like a a conscious, mm-hmm. a conscience. Um, and it's weird because if you read the case, they sided with it because they believe that the government didn't have really good interests for the regulation because and this was controversial, I believe it's 5-4, I could be wrong, uh, was that, you know, non-for-profits, they were granted an exemption, so why couldn't 
So it was a well-argued case. Mm-hmm. Do I agree with it? No. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, you're fine. Um, anyway, he's not very... Con- I mean, that was a controversial case, mm-hmm. but he's not a very controversial judge. So I'm not that upset about him. We will get into this a little bit later, but I do believe that this was a stolen seat, and I I just think he shouldn't have been the one at all. So that's the biggest problem I have with him. Mixed reviews here in the studio. <laughs> um, before we move on, I think Truman really summed up kind of oh what gosh. we were all hinting on. Uh, and it's he said, if you want to lose a friend real quick, appoint him to the Supreme Court. Ouch. And I think we're all kind of dancing around that, so I just wanted to put words to it. Because just because a Trump pointed him does not mean that he will always be. No, and I, I don't think he will. I think he will oppose Trump whenever he yeah. needs to. I think he Hopefully. will, and I think that's a big reason I like him. I'm not that upset about this one because this is a conservative justice replacing a conservative justice. Yeah. Um, if, God forbid, a liberal justice passes away or retires, well, I don't want anyone to pass away. That's sad. That's good. You shouldn't wish that upon someone. Um, but, you know, that'll be a bigger fight, and I and I think... Well, do you think the Democrats were right for opposing the filibuster of the nomination, or...? I think Adam has thoughts. <laughs> I think Adam, definitely the hand motions of Adam in this room. Yes. Okay, so it didn't. It w- did not plan to work out this way, but the checks and balances of our government, sure, they did not originally think that there would be factions, as they called it, or parties, but it turned out to be that way in the fact that we, as a people, go between always siding with Republicans or Democrats, and we're throwing off the makeup of the Supreme Court by taking away the right as a president for Obama to have appointed probably a liberal justice to the Supreme Court. It's important that as a nation, our laws grow with us. And that's how I view that the Supreme Court does. And so by the Republicans depriving how our country could move forward in a way legally, that makes me upset. And you can't see me, but I've been like writhing around in the studio going nuts about this. And I think the Democrats had the moral high ground to oppose this and to filibuster. I think it was their duty, not only to their party, but to the makeup of our republic. I think Democrats are thinking about 2018 and they know where the base is and they know that the American opinion is, is changing and they know that uh, Trump has a you know 30-something approval rating and anything he does is going to be seen in the negative light. So I think politically it's probably a smart move. Um, I don't know necessarily about morally. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I think that they were right. Ironically enough, I do think they were right. You think the Democrats were right? Yeah. Do you mean like politically or do you mean like morally? Or I mean, what do you think? In general, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. But you said that you liked him. So why would you want the Democrats to filibuster him? Because I don't think that if you're against it, you should just go with it. Oh. So I think that... That's fair. I, There I am, going with democracy and going with how a national country should work, nationalism should work. I think that if you don't agree with it, you shouldn't just say you don't agree with it. And because I'm being, or you do agree with it. Because I'm being anal, so I know political science terms. You don't mean nationalism like America's the best. Woo! Yeah. You mean like how our republic works. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because that's... Though America I'm... is the best, if anyone was asking. All right. So the next question is, were Republicans right for taking the nucle- nuclear option? No. 
no, 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 no. Okay, so this is bad because that's how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be a checks and balance system, and the fact that they went nuclear is annoying, and it's wrong, and I don't like it. Okay, I get very anal about constitutions, about the checks and balances, about how a government should work. It is the rules for the board game is the rules for how our democratic republic should work. I'm upset. I didn't like it. I also don't like the fact that they are very light about the fact of go nuclear because we still have nuclear weapons. Don't like that. Okay, I'm upset. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh my. Okay. okay. Agreed <laughs> with him. Um, I think what this does is it sets a precedent and... Um, it takes away the power of the minority, the uh, limited power they already had. It just makes way for the majority to basically rule and for bipartisanship to take further root in Congress and in the nation. And it's actually very disappointing to me. There's a lot of Republicans I really respect um, and I love and the way that they have handled this, particularly Lindsey Graham. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but he did. He went. He did a town hall. Um, the other day, and he, the public reaction to the things he was saying was amazing. They were booing him the entire time when he was talking about Gorsuch, um, and they were talking about, you know, we can get into this a little bit because I don't think the question is on there, but um, they were talking about Garland, and they were talking about the way he was handling things, and they were talking about going nuclear, and um, the public is, at least in that room, was not with him, and I'm not with him. I just think it's I think it's um, pretty scary when a, one party becomes too powerful, and I think that's what Republicans are trying to do, which is uh, ironic because aren't they supposed to be for limited government? I think it's a short-term gain, long-term loss because they won't be the party in control forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Well, I'm still kind of forming an opinion on this, so it might be better to ask me this question next week, honestly. Uh, we'll hold um, you to that. <laughs> Were the Republicans right in taking the nu nuclear option? Well, I think, honestly, like, the best answer I can give is the answer I gave to the last question. I don't think that people should be shut down, which is kind of what this feels like it's doing. Though at the same time, I think that, no, I I think that there should be a majority vote needed. Well, I mean, what, Not 60 votes? No, I think there should be a majority vote needed, period. Oh. Well, I mean, Republicans said that they argued that the Dems were forcing this decision. Do you feel that way? Because it was supposed to be 60 votes, mm -hmm. and then they, they changed it to just a majority vote. Which, 51. Right. Which they have that. Yeah. They wouldn't have had the 60, though, I don't think. Um, <laughs> I, I guess that's the Republican in me. I think you should have the majority vote, period. It's so easy. It makes it easy. And this sets the precedent for um, any appointed position. It's not just justices. So yep. what they've done is... And it's the high... It's one of the most important appointed positions. Is... Okay, know. quick question. Is the 60 votes technically two-thirds? I don't... Okay. Well, we also, I think to be fair to the folks at home, lots of us, we use Parley Pro in an organization more vaulted on campus, and they don't use parliamentary procedure. They have their own rules. So It was 54-45, just mm -hmm. so it was. And so I don't think it needs to be necessarily two-thirds, but I don't think it needs to be majority because... I think for a lot of issues, it should be... Okay, okay. I guess I retract my statement. For most issues, it should be majority, but for the more controversial issues two-thirds would be fair well this would 
I mean, as a like from a Democrat point of view, this is what that is, because the Supreme Court is one of the most controversial issues possible. So wanting to get 60 votes for it, mm-hmm. wanting to get 60 votes for it only makes sense. Mm-hmm. What the Republicans have done here is they have said, we don't care about reaching across the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't care. And I would like to get your opinions on Garland because I feel like it has been sw- swept under the rug a yeah. lot. And this is, this is a huge issue for Democrats because they feel like this nomination was stolen from them. They feel like President Obama was not given his constitutional right to pick a Supreme Court justice. And that's much white. Well, I can say I understand that re- Democrats would be pissed. Like, I can get that. Yes, I would be pretty upset myself. But in a Republican standpoint, we had to do our best to build a wall that it would be hard for them to break down because we were afraid of what would have happened. It's just, I, I don't agree. And historically... You don't what, agree that we had to build a wall because we were afraid of what happen, would happen? I agree you that you wanted to. I don't agree that's right. No. Because that... Like, that makes the Senate, and here's my opinion, the Senate, with it having six-year terms, is allowed to be bipartisan. They got six years. They're more to be, they're allowed to be the delegate, not as much the representative, representative, like the House of Representatives. And this, I think the Democrats have the right to feel upset because this is a constitutional issue and this is to make things fair. And Republicans have taken that away, which allows the binary, partisan infighting to fully infest the Senate. I'm very upset about this issue. and But to be fair, speaking for my constituents, quote-unquote, the moderates, this is something that if you don't study government all the time, and if you don't look at checks and balances, it's easy to go over your head. And that's what scares me. It's scary because if you don't study this, you're like, ah, who cares? But this will change the game in some way, shape, or form, light or big. It's one of those issues um, that the everyday American, not to belittle them, but the everyday American just doesn't have the time to look into and doesn't have the interest to look into because it's, it is, it's very full of jargon. There's a lot of, uh, you have to know a lot about it to kind of fully formulate an opinion. But it's the mo- it's one of the backbones of our society, which is the constitutional limits of the presidency, the limits of the legislature. Um, much like Trump's attack on the media, people don't really fully understand the impact that it will have later on because, oh, it's so funny. We don't like the media. Oh, it's so funny that he's attacking them. It's, oh, it's like not a big deal to fundamentally change the way that we... Uh, do everything. Do it, you know, and uh, appoint Supreme Court justices. Oh, that. Oh, it's just Democrats freaking out for no reason. No, this is a this is a change to the way that we do things, and it's going to have repercussions for decades. Okay. Also, sorry, what were you saying? No, nope. go for it. No, nope, you. I also just hate how easy it is, and it it's. <sighs> and you know, just for the folks at home, like this is something that I really care about, and like. I don't know whether or not I, it's just easy for me to understand. It's because I read lots of these books and I find them very interesting. And it's, it's I'm something I'm very passionate about. So 
I don't like feeling emotion because I study the Jedi way of controlling them, as Isaac would know, uh, <laughs> because he's also a Jedi. Yes. Uh, and Liz is a Sith. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, Red. De- <laughs> oh, my God. It, Double-sided sword. The consist- sword. Lightsaber. Any successful government me. must have consistency, so changing the rules of the game is never good. And for it to be so nonchalant, for them to do it so like, oh, like Democrats forced us into this. No, Democrats did not force you to fundamentally change the way that we do things. That was your choice. You chose not to nominate the legitimate nominee, Merrick Garland. You chose not to do that and to say the next president should choose them. And then you chose to fundamentally change the way that we appoint uh, justices. Do not blame this on Democrats. You did this. You are You suck. Man, folks at home, you have really tuned in to a great series. First episode, economic theory. This episode, constitutional law and Senate procedure. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So adding to that greatness, we are starting a new little segment here, Microfesto. There's going to be pretty much the rules. Yeah, here it goes. So the rules are, I'm going to ask the question. You're allowed to answer once. You have like... 15 seconds to answer. Oh. Okay. It'll be good stuff. I'll start my timer. A lax 15 seconds. 15 seconds? If 15 you're doing, to 30. If you're doing a plank for 15 seconds, you can feel the burn. <laughs> so you should be able to have a good answer. Okay. <laughs> so I've, I've used, like, time. Okay. Okay? So, first question. There seems to be some conflict in Trump's inner circle, allegedly between Steve Bannon and Trump's son-in-law, Jared... Kushner. Isaac, go. I, it's interesting. This is very interesting to see. Um, This is like uh, the angel and the devil on Trump's shoulder. And who will win out? Will it be the Nazi? Or will it be like the nice little boy? Um, Who will it be? Um, I think that Bannon won out with healthcare and Kushner is winning uh, one with the missile strike. And anyway, okay, that's all. Okay, Adam, go. Okay, uh, I would have to disagree with Isaac on this one, and here's why. Because when it comes to uh, Kushner, he might be sane, but just because he's sane does not mean that he's good. And that is the disappointment of this Trump administration. Thank Ooh. you. I agree. Liberals agree. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, well, uh, here's the Republican view. Go freaking figure there would be some conflict in the inner Trump circle when your son-in-law is... Oh, my gosh. There's just so much to say about this. Um, I get the devil and the angel analogy, and I'm not gonna lie, kind of agree with that. I really do kind of agree with that. And now I'm slowing down, so I guess my 15 seconds <laughs> is over. All right, next question for Microfesto. Over, excuse me, over 50 advertisers have pulled ads from the old Riley Factor after a New York Times story disclosed that five women received settlements from the Fox News and Bill O'Reilly over sexual harassment cases, totaling in $13 million. Isaac, go! Bill O'Reilly is gross. Fox News is gross. Um, the whole thing is founded by someone who is uh, essentially a sexual assaulter. I don't want to call him a rapist because that's a hard term. But I, I, the, the whole environment of Fox News is one of misogyny. And I'm glad that companies are finally putting their money where their mouth is and they're saying, no, I don't want to be associated with your nasty brand. Oh, my. Okay, Adam. Uh, different angle. Sometimes, sometimes I don't necessarily agree with the amount of say that big money and big business have in our democracy. But at some times, 
their view can't get things done. And in this case, I think their free speech through money is achieving results and it is hurting the Orion Oh, man. I literally was pointing at Adam when he said that, looking at Isaac in the eyes. I don't know where else. It wasn't for you, Liz. Okay. (laughs) So, yes, I agree with that. Obviously, I don't think sexual harassment or sexual assault or anything like that is okay by any means. And being a woman myself, I think that that definitely needs to be taken care of. But I personally like Fox News. I try and broaden my horizons other than just Fox News so everyone is aware. But... I do think that Adam hit it spot on. So, why did you laugh? (laughs) I didn't feel like what Adam said was in uh, contrast with what I said. Oh, I do. I definitely do. It's because I said capitalism. That, okay. Anyways, so we're going to dive into the last part of our podcast, and it's going to be non-political. Hooray. So, Isaac... What is your favorite non-political thing happening in the news this week? Hold on. I have to find it. It's on my Facebook. I can go. Okay. Adam. Uh, This has been suggested by the viewers, and I think it's a really good thing that millennials can separate politics and the rest of the stuff that we're interested in. And for me, uh, a few weeks ago, and still currently I've watched it a bunch, the new Spider-Man Homecoming trailer dropped. Woo! Okay. So I think they're going to do Spider-Man right I think it's going to be fun. I like that he is younger now. The only thing that I had uh, qualms with was it seemed like, and this is a problem with Hollywood, is that trailers, <laughs> this trailer seemed to give me like, I'm not a literary scholar, but at the same time, I feel like I thought, okay, so he's going to struggle with high school, and then there's going to be a fairy that breaks up, and then Iron Man's going to shook his finger at him saying, no, no, don't get involved, and then he's going to go fight uh, what is his name? Vulture. 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 And there it is. They kind of showed the film. Yeah. And that's what made me upset. But I'm really excited to see it still. I know. And um, I loved him in Civil War. Mm-hmm. I'm just oh excited gosh. to see a whole movie about him. I think uh, he had the best moment with Captain America. He's like, kid, you got heart. Where are you from? Oh, from, my gosh. I'm from Queens, Brooklyn. This is all Ooh. I ever hear about. Oh, my gosh. I was in New York oh uh, not too long ago, and I was with Liz. And we were walking around, and I kept saying, like, Hell's Kitchen, that's where Daredevil fights crime. Brooklyn, that's where Captain America fights crime. And she's like, okay, shut up. And I'm We like, are on a freaking subway on the way to the airport, and we go through Queens, and he looks out the window and says, this is where Spider-Man's from. And I was like, great. <laughs> and the second they got back to wherever we live, uh, I, they mentioned Hell's Kitchen, and I was just nonchalantly, oh, did you see Daredevil? And then Isaac hugged me. And I, I think I may have said out loud, or maybe it was just in my inner thoughts, I need to get new friends. But you have us. <laughs> okay, so Isaac, what's your favorite little pop culture news? Uh, it's not really pop culture, but it is. Um, in the new, It was in the New York Times. I shared it on my Facebook page. Um, the headline is, High School Journalists Land a Scoop and the Principal Resigns. And basically it was this group, uh, this uh, high school paper, and they got a new principal, and they were investigating into the principal because some of the uh, things on her resume didn't quite add up. And they looked into where she got her master's, and they looked into all this stuff, and it turns out that a lot of it was, like, pretty phony. Oh. And Yikes. she ended up resigning. And I just think that's so cool because it proves that, like, kids are still excited about uh, what they're interested in and that journalism, investigative journalism, still works. Hey, could be a, like, throwback to what you said earlier. Maybe our generation is more skeptical, and maybe it's a good thing. 
Yeah, because they got their principal fired. Wow. <laughs> yeah, fi- if you're listening and you're under the age of 18, go you can fire do your it. principal. <laughs> but Except only... our principal from high school. We love him. Yep. I in, do. In Illinois. Adam, you're... Give, okay. In Mexico Anywho, mine is for the week. Guys, get excited. It's Master's Week. So exciting. I love Master's what Week. What is that? Explain. Master's Week is like the Super Bowl for golf. I'm so excited. Oh, so like a time to take naps. <gasps> no, don't say that. It's terrible. Um, if you follow... I think it's golf problems or something like that on Twitter. They have like the funniest stuff and all of their stuff this week is just like pictures of people in like college classrooms watching the masters like in different places. And it's hilarious because that's totally me. Um, Who's your favorite player? Well, I am rooting for Jordan Spieth because he's around our age. Love him. He's awesome. He won two years ago, two, three years ago. Love him. Super awesome. But I would not be sad if Rory McIlroy won because I really like him. Even though he's from Ireland, it's okay. What was that first guy's name? Jordan Spieth. Shout out Millennial Jordan Spieth. Um, (laughs) Shout out to the Millennials! I don't have a comment for this one, but except this. Isaac, you're more than welcome to join in with me. All I have to say is golf clap. Golf clap for Masters Week. I'll I'll join in. I have my white gloves on. You only wear one glove. Oh, my gosh. They don't know how to golf. Okay, seems like a ripoff of Michael Jackson. You only wear... (laughs) Okay. Well, everyone, thank you for listening this week. You made it through again. Oh, crap. We didn't learn our sign-offs. I think this is just going to be a bit. You made it through (laughs) again. So, Adam, last statement for the night. Hey, if you're an older person, I respect you. But please talk to a millennial this week and learn some things. Maybe we could teach you. <laughs> Maybe you could teach us some things. Let's make this republic talk again. Wow, that could be it. Isaac. Make this republic talk again. Isaac. I'm just going to read the first tweet I see. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, being a night owl is linked to depression. <laughs> what? Great. <laughs> when do you edit this? <laughs> All of mine are pictures. Oh, here's one. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, here's my first tweet I read that doesn't have a photo included. Seriously, though, Channing Tatum is the most perfect human being. Hard eyes, fire. Guys, thanks for making it through another episode. An episode where Liz did not mention a Republican president. All right, bye, everybody. Hi, (laughs) Mom. Nope, too late. It's too late. Okay. Okay. Except maybe. <coughs> I'm not going to talk like that. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I just want to add a little more personality into it. So <laughs> that's why I would say? think, like, at the beginning, you could be like, okay. hey guys, how's your week been? And then we just, like, talk for a second. Okay, so <laughs> my week's sound? been crap, but okay. Well, you yeah, can say that's, that. That's good. <laughs> okay. I'm asking you how your week's been. Well, you can just be like, hey, guy, just be like casual. How's your week been? Just casual. Okay. <laughs> I'm leaving my headphones We on. don't have to. I just thought okay. maybe it would spice it up. I, I I, like it. Do you want me to ask after you no, do No, I'm personable. I can ask about your weeks. Everyone in this room makes me feel whole. <laughs> <laughs>